Thank you for listening to or watching the Upland Down Under podcast. Tonight's show is recorded live on Saturday, 6th of January at 3 p.m. AEST. Crikey, what an um, eventful week in the Mitsudaverse, full of a few very unfortunate summer storm-related events, but on the flip side, just so much good fortune and luck involved as well on top of that. So things could have been a lot worse, and they indeed were for many families here on the Gold Coast who dealt with um, massive Christmas night thunderstorm and also a tornado, which we hardly ever have here. And then we had several days of a heat wave with no electricity, and finally we had Armageddon-like rains with widespread flooding. Certainly makes all of the pathetic metaverse chaos drama and stress seem trivial in comparison which indeed it is. Anyhow, on this afternoon's show, we'll catch up on some crypto. No, we're not doing crypto. That's for the other show now. We'll catch up on some upland market news. We'll check in on the neighborhood ratings for January. We'll reflect on the recent robots bundle sale, NFLPA mementos, wearables, and the MV Motors exclusive showroom owner sale. Of course, we'll also take a look at the recent huge totems announcement. A whole heap to unpack there. Um, I've only read through it briefly myself, so I'll be kind of going through that very slowly and steadily. So 2x speed if you're listening or watching along. Related to all of that, of course, the main topic for this week will be 2024 is off to a crazy busy start already. Can you keep up? Should you even try? The battle of FOMO versus MEHMO is on. We've also got quips on the future of life and STEM, treasure hunting, buildings and spark and new love for old assets. And we'll take a look at a new community initiative by Mesmi and other members of the Dynamic Node Builders team, which they've started up just recently. All that and more, of course, on this, the Upland Down Under podcast. If you're wondering how you can take part in the live recordings of this podcast, well, I'm a bit all over the place at the moment due to the aforementioned in real life storm stuff. And it's going to take a while for things to settle down into a bit of a constant rhythm again here. Until then, just like today, I'll do what I can do when I can do it. Tentatively speaking, though, I'm hoping to lock in this recorded live podcast to be done at 7 p.m. Thursday nights, AEST, which will be joined most weeks by the Blockweb Beat podcast, which if you weren't aware before, that's going to do the crypto stuff and the wider Metaverse Web3 market stuff. So that's kind of separating into two shorter podcasts, and that's going to be published late Tuesday nights. And, of course, the periodically released episodes of the Mitsu Sudiverse and Beyond Interview Series podcast. But for today, let's have a look at what's currently happening in some of the Upland market stats. And this morning, I got busy kind of rejigging how I was going to do all these because, yes, no more crypto stats for this particular version. We're just sticking to the Upland stuff for this podcast. And, of course, Zoomies in the road. So what do we got Big picture stuff, 90-day average transaction volume. We're still slip sliding away, down 1.9%. The trading volume also down 0.5%. Unique active wallets up a smidgen, still floating around, bouncing around the 50,000 mark. And total unminted properties, we had 2,392 properties minted through the week. Now, cities, um, if you've got eagle eyes, you will notice that I've patched in LaSalle here, however you say it, LaSalle here, um, it did kind of throw up the red flag for the data as well, meaning the red there it makes it the worst spot to buy for UPX and sell for USD. I did all, I did all that last minute, so I may play around with that still. Um, I ended up buying a property there myself just recently, so I thought if it is a city. There's not much to it, but 
it is a city, so why not throw it in and try and keep it to cover the whole spread? So we'll see how we go. But what's standing out? So other ones, we might as well stick to that while we're there. Other ones that aren't real great for buying for U UPX and selling for USD at the moment is Rutherford. Buy for 36000 and sell for $14. And Tokyo, buy for, what is that, 20000 and sell for $7.75. On the flip side, if you want to buy for UPX and sell for USD, which I'm going to get back into heavily myself coming up in probably the next month, February and onwards, I think. Detroit's looking good and Bakersfield and Rio as well. Um, just take that Rio one with a grain of salt though. There's usually Rio's notorious for having locked jail properties on it. So see how you go there. Now for the wider stats, usually just take a look at the double figures. Berlin, nice 20% boost on the UPX was $7.50 last week up to nine. What else we got? Fresno. Making a bit of a run was on the $3 floor. Now pushing off that to $3.50, but dropping on the UPX was $6,300 last week, down under $6,000 this week. Uh, Manhattan, 10% up on the UP, no, on the USD, sorry, flat on the UPX was $29 last week, up to $32. Nashville, big 30% jump there for the USD was on the $3 floor, now $3.90. Um, New Orleans heading in the other direction. And then a bit all over the place. Santa Clara up on the USD as well. Pretty flat on the UPX, but was $15.50 last week, up to just under $19. And Tokyo's having a bit of a run there too. More interesting that they're marked in red. So up on 16% on the UPX and 17% on the USD. So I think... Um, a lot of people will be rebuilding their stocks of UPX and trying to recover from Christmas and whatnot with the USD. So that's very much the boat that I'm in, especially with all these storm damages and stuff. But I remember this week, look, I'll flick straight over to the neighborhood's ratings cards. And what have we got? We did have downtown, was it, that took out December. Congratulations to them. Currently, very early on in January, we've got Midtown Terrace out in front by a fraction of a Red Hook, Merced Manor, Quailwood, and Praia de Bandera. Um, I don't think Midtown Terrace is going to be there for very long. I think Red Hook's probably taken a bit of a breather before they make a big push. Nosif and the team over there. Um, Merced Manor, they might make another secondary push as well. And Quailwood, probably, pretty likely, any one of those could take it out. Um, what else have we got on the back end? Greenwich kind of didn't really go anywhere. Sherwood, yeah, they're doing all right. Bayswater, Dogpatch, Boystown. Not much else there that's that looks primed to take a run for it, but that's not to say someone can't come out of the blue and smash us all because it is still very early days. Um, if you didn't see, there was another feedback post put together by, I believe it wasn't CERN S4 this time, but somebody else put it together. Um, trying to, you know, raise the question of how it's fair, this whole neighbourhood's rating system and how it supports um, bigger areas rather than smaller areas. So get yourself on and check that out. And if you agree with that, don't forget to give it an upvote. So that's what's happening there. Um, now, just some general upland stuff like this. Like I said, we're in, what are we, 6th of January, and there's almost already so much happened already that I've pretty much completely missed out on. So this is a bit of a reflection for me more than anything. So I'll just go over this. Um, maybe we've got a couple of people in chat. Maybe if I completely ball something up, you can slap me and correct me here, but we did have the robots bundle sale. Now this was 
kind of interesting. It was almost like a, you know, Gundam robot style thing where you could blend them together and make different things. Um, I did know there was some sort of controversy about it where you couldn't move it and there was only a big burn button there. So I'm sure, you know, all of those teething problems they'll fix up through the year. I think uh, the tech at play here with, you know, burning, merging, creating different things, I think it's all pretty cool. The assets themselves, yeah, they look pretty cool. Um, but here's where the real magic happens. When you burn all three of these exceptional explorers, they combine and transform into something extraordinary. The rare and coveted Cyber Centurion or Vault Vortex, making a Voltron kind of link there. So this was all cool. There was It did stimulate a lot of interest in the kind of community engagement. There's a lot of people going backwards and forwards, trading different things. I did have somebody reach out wanting me to list their map asset in one of my showrooms, which is it's pretty hard to do because you got to you trust the person to send it to them and whatnot. So I don't know. I think um, if they've kicked off the year with this already, I think this is something they're probably going to dive even heavier and heavier into. And yeah, of course, all of those little teething problems they had with the big green burn button and whatnot, I'm sure they'll fix all those up. So if you manage to get older, one of these yourself, good on you. Um, there wasn't that many of them around. And 9 a.m. PT again. So needless to say, with every needless to say, with everything else that I had going on in real life, I I didn't really sleep through. I had one ear out and one eye open at all times on the tarp, flapping away on the top of my roof with a big hole in it. So I completely slept through these. Who we got? We got Angry and Beulah Man in chat. Do you guys get yourself engaged in any of that stuff? Robots? Oh, hang yeah, on. I thought for. For twenty five k, it was worth it to get two two assets. So I got a, I think I got a, a gold map asset traded for a red, and then a red block explorer. So I thought that was and, pretty cool. And they seem to be going for a pretty decent price on the secondary market too, with people trying to get them all and combine them and whatnot. So yes, and Villamant, it's very early AM for you. So kids are sleeping, all right, mate. So we're power ahead. So yeah, I thought I thought. As I keep saying, that the general tech at, at display there, it was cool, and I'm sure they're going to angle into it more and more as the year goes on. So that wasn't all that we had. Of course, we did have another one. Now, not that. This one, NFLPA. Now, this is interesting. They also recently did a stock car wearables sale. So they're definitely trying to flesh out these kind of existing community events, features, partnerships a bit more. So wearables, I kind of personally, I've kind of moved on behind beyond the whole wearables thing. Um, I've tried several times to get into the cafes on my mobile phone and it just does not work at this stage. So hopefully they can fix it up and it can become a bit more optimized because at present it's almost impossible, at least for me, especially at this time of the where there's so much crap going on with the internet here in the Gold Coast. But yeah, pretty cool that they're doing this sort of stuff. I mean, if you're all in on that, and I'm sure you're going to look into diving into that heavier and heavier, more stuff to buy, more stuff to wear, more stuff to trade and sell and whatnot, which moves on over to the big one. This was another surprise one. This one, I thought all of these UK branded cars, I thought they were all done and dusted, but apparently not. So we had... Now, this was, was this last night? It was very recently. The MV Motors exclusive showroom owner sale. So this is another one where you had to be a showroom owner to take part. Fairly pricey, this one. When I looked at it, 
$249. Now, there was a hell of a lot of confusion with this. I saw um, they mentioned nine a whole bunch of times, nine different types of MB cars. So there's more than one person who bought this pack, this bundle pack for $249, expecting to get nine different cars, only to find out they got three and uh, randomly distributed based on the nine different models. Um, as always, communication with these things can be improved. And again, sometimes it pays to, especially if you're going to be spending that amount of money, $250. I don't know about you, but I don't throw that sort of money around willy-nilly. You might want to read into things uh, in a bit more detail. But yeah, interesting to go back and see that they're trying to sell some of that old that old stock, old inventory. So what do we get? $250 for three cars. Yeah, I guess that works out to a decent price per car, especially if you manage to jag one of those you know, the TR or one of the UK edition ones. Um, I didn't read the fine print myself to know that if you, were, if you were guaranteed one of the super cool ones or it was just completely randomized, I mean, you'd be pretty, I think you'd be pretty disappointed if you got a Series 2, a Series 2E and a Series T. Um, maybe that's in there somewhere. I didn't check. But again, more stuff to spend your money on, more stuff to buy, more stuff to trade, more stuff to sell so that kind of you yeah the sentence is above it that says you get three yeah so it was in there it definitely was in there that you got three but people just they saw nine and then i guess they looked at the big figure and thought wow that's that's a really good deal so they kind of stooged themselves a little bit and you will see i don't know if you noticed but i did save those um upland website i saved them as pdfs which has helped my poor old laptop tremendously to try and be able to load all this stuff um just when i started to get a bit of a new laptop for 2024 budget together <laughs> thousands and thousands of dollars worth of storm repair damages instead so wah, wah, wah. so i'll have to make do with what i've got for probably at least six months or more again so bear with me as we try and salvage what we can all right, so that was all of the reflection stuff. Now, the big one that dropped, of course, was totems. Everybody was kind of at X1 saying we want information about totems before the end of the year. They didn't manage to squeeze it in right before the end of the year, but they followed it up pretty soon after. And now this is, I believe, X1's put two little videos out. You should definitely check those out. It's kind of a big picture perspective of what those are, but there is a lot to unpack here. Um, I haven't read this in great detail myself, so bear with me. I'll probably go through this a bit slower than I normally would. And with everything else going on in real life, my brain's a bit slower than it normally is. So see how we go. So yes, as the final totems have been sold, we're gearing up for an exhilarating phase in Upland, the simulation of life through totems. Yes, yes, yes. The first totem life cycle begins Tuesday, January 9th at 9 a.m. PT, which is Wednesday the 10th at 3 a.m. my time. Uh, prior to this, on January the 8th, between 9 and 10 a.m. PT, we'll capture a snapshot of all players possessing a totem map asset. Now, this is what I thought was interesting straight off the bat here. So following this, for each of these players will be granted a one-time protom allocation to initiate the nurturing of their totem. Each totem will go through at least five cycles during which players can feed them with the objective, objective of getting protom in return. Now, this is... I don't know. There's, there's a few things that are weird to me here. Um, 
So the snapshot's taking place and they're going to give everybody the protom based on that snapshot. But there's another section further down where you have to kind of activate your totem. So I'm looking at this myself as somebody who is extremely time poor at present. I may very well just hold on to my 10 totems that I'm still holding, get that one-time protom allocation and then look to sell, I don't know, a significant chunk of the 10 I have to other people who might have better or more interest or more time to feed these bloody things. So that's one thing. I, I, I think it's surprising that they dropped the protom prior to initiating it. So I bet I won't be the only one thinking of that where I'll just, I'll just um, bank that protom and just thank you very much. Um, it would probably make more sense to only drop protum to the people that are actively going to be using it so you would think that you'd have to activate it somehow first and then take a snapshot of that anyhow this is this is the rules we're playing by so we'll i'm sure myself and others will play with them now this whole feed the thing protum to get more protum just as a general thing that seems kind of bit bizarre you kind of uh, it's almost a perpetual energy machine you put in protum and you get out more protum kind of a little bit strange but anyhow that's that's the way it's going to go so note in the initial protum drop only holders of totem map assets will be eligible to participate unexchanged totem passes will not be included yeah that's an interesting one so if you're holding on to a uh, pass if you haven't exchanged it already or buy you know, sold it or whatever you're going to do with it, you probably want to think about doing that pretty soon. Um, eventually, all of these are just going to become map assets. And if you've got a totem pass, I would assume if you miss out on this this particular event, then it's just going to become uh, a weird kind of NFT in your wallet. A bit like my Miami one. What was the one we got there? Miami pass for a property. I didn't bother exchanging that because I just got some... 10,000 UPEX property, I thought, you know what, I'm just going to hold on to this pass because it looks kind of cool. Some people love the totem passes too, so maybe maybe it will become a collector's, collector's item. Who knows? So the protom sound. Now, this was, I don't think anybody was expecting this, were they? As well as part of the kind of beta testing that they're going to sell us protom as well. So for those who didn't receive the initial protom drop, meaning if you purchased your totem after the snapshots taken, you can still take part because you can buy slash acquire additional protum. We will have protum for sale during each cycle at the Upland store. We will be making a significant quantity of protum available for, for purchase, ensuring that any totem owner can access protum during a cycle if required. This sale is exclusively accessible to owners of totem map assets. So, yeah, so you can't, if you don't have a totem, you can't just sit there and think, well, I'm not going to play the totem game. I'm just going to sit there and buy up a bunch of protum so that when the one for one exchange comes, protum to STEM, that you can bank all that. It's not going to be able to do it. If you don't, if you're not playing the totem game, you won't be able to get any. So that's interesting. Kind of a bit disappointing that they don't mention prices here. Um, it's kind of seems, at least on face value, very much a pay-to-win situation. Uh, I guess it's going to depend on how generous they're going to be, going to be with that protom snapshot drop. If they're only going to be dropping us the very bare minimum, then I guess if you want to get heavily involved in this, you're probably going to have to dive into your pocket to do so. 
But when you, if I think back to the initial, um, what was it, Spud drop? Or, no. Yeah, Spud was the kind of games we played with. But then, yeah, when Spark first came available, uh, some of us early testers got airdropped a little bit of Spark to get going to test it out. And then there was a snapshot and more Spark as well. Those were very small amounts. I, I put a video out. Jesus, one of the very first videos I put together where it was, I think I might have got two Spark or something. And you put the building up and it's going to take some ridiculous amount of time unless you buy more Spark. Um, at that stage, there was no Spark treasure hunting or anything like that. And then, of course, there was, they did different competitions and you could buy Spark. It'll be very interesting to see, um, yeah, especially the prices on this and how they're going to play with that. More things to buy, more things to sell, more things to do. Everyone's, you know, screaming for gamification and more stuff to do in the game. Well, here it is, but it looks like you're going to have to dive in your wallet to do it. Not necessarily going to be diving into that aspect myself too heavily, I wouldn't think. So understanding totems and protem, totems in Upland are unique. Map assets, yes, yes, one of ones. Unique attributes, yes, they're all different. Um, during these cycles, the amount and frequency of protem spent determine the rewards you receive. Yeah, now this is one of the things that when I read this, I was like, oh boy, as somebody who owns a full set of totems, um, each individual totem, and to be fair, they have said from the get-go that each totem is unique. They've said that, you know, ad nauseum. So, well, here's the significant aspect of that. They're not going to all have the same feeding cycles. They're not going to require the same amount of protem, the same, you know, all everything's going to be different. So somebody who's got 10 of these things, yeah, I might have, well, not might have, I've definitely bitten off a bit more than I'm able to chew here. So I'll definitely be looking to reduce some of that aside from the initial snapshot, of course. So yeah, I'm not going to get up. I'm not going to, I do. even if I wanted to, I don't have the time or the interest to sit there with a spreadsheet for 10 different totems and think, okay, this one, I need to feed this one X amount every one hour and this one every three hours and this one every eight hours and setting alarms all through the night. Yeah, that's, I mean, I guess we've got to wait and see because there's no mention of what any of those kind of time periods are going to be. But um, if it just seems like a hell of a lot of work. So activation and spending cycle, the journey of each totem begins with the activation, which is what I was saying. Yeah, it's, you would think that you had to activate your totem prior to the snapshot. Otherwise it's going to be, like I said, a lot of people just banking that protem. Uh, so that at the start of the cycle, players have a crucial five-day window. That's very good that they've expanded that. Thank you very much for that. Rather than just making it some bloody one-hour or two-hour PT thing. So five days, there's plenty of time to get involved in this. And it doesn't matter when you start it in that five-day period, you're going to have the full 30 days to do what you want to do if you want to do it. So that's good as well. So if, if you do do it on the fifth day, you, you haven't lost four days worth of stuff, you still get the full 30 days. So that's really good to see. Players who activate the totems during the first 24 hours, mind you, will receive the exclusive Proton Pioneer badge, which I believe, Angry, you, you were kind of after that. That's a tricky one, though, because those first 24 hours, everyone who's got them is going to be want to, going to want to be part of that snapshot to get as much protem as possible. So people that are wanting to borrow a totem just for that badge might be a bit difficult, that one, I think. Uh, during this initial phase, phase, if a totem hasn't been active, its status will display in cycle, not yet activated. 
Okay, so that's cool. Within the UI, there's going to be, hopefully it's going to be pretty straightforward because, you know, this, you, if you read how complex this is, um, it has the danger of being just so overly complicated that people just go, oh, it's just too hard. Um, especially because, as I keep saying, Upland Spruce, it is a mobile a mobile kind of app game, whatever you want to call it. Um, it should be fairly intuitive. The best mobile games are ones that you can just download and play and get straight into it. You're not having to read bloody, you know, how to do things. You're not having to watch, you know, hours and hours of uh, user-generated tutorials and whatnot. It should be pretty straightforward. So hopefully they've got the UI set up so it, it is like that. Um, then again, it is the very first early test phase. So I'm sure there are a lot of things that um, the community comes up up with as far as improvements or whatever they'll take on board for the future. Remember, no late activations. If you miss that five-day activation window, you do not take part in that cycle. So earning cycles upon activation with your first spend, your totem enters its 30-day cycle. The rewards you accrue during this period depend on how you manage your spend following your totem's unique earning curve. Yeah, this is where it starts to get very tricky. So individual cycle timings. Every totem operates on a 30-day cycle, which starts, yes, yes, yes. Consequently, the end dates are staggered. They don't all conclude simultaneously, but will finish within a five-day range. Yeah, I'm sure if you started them all relatively close together, they're all going to finish close together. And that may be... There may be a bit of gamification in there. If you've got more than one totem, you might not want to start them all at the same time on the first day in the first, you know, 10 minutes, first hour. You might want to stagger them out over that five day to give you a bit of a, give yourself a bit of breathing room as it all plays out. So to begin nurturing your totem, you have to feed it by spending protom on it. So as I said, what a weird system. Food conversion ratio. As a former aquaculturist, I was all about food conversion ratios. Um, if you don't know, most kind of animal husbandry farming things, a lot of the things we focus on is the FCR, the food conversion ratio. Um, Farm-raised tuna, for example, I think their FCR is something incredible. Like it takes 35 kilograms of uh, bait fish to be fed to produce one kilogram of tuna. So their FCR is horrendous. So other fish or other different types of animals, their FCRs is much closer to one-to-one. -to -one. But here with the, the totems, yeah, the FCR here, that's one way to look at it. You're feeding it protum and you're getting protum out in return. Obviously, you're not going to be wanting to put your protum into these things to get out less protum, but there, that is a distinct possibility, which is kind of very, very interesting. So to feed your totem, access it on the full NFT screen, click the green spend protom button and enter the amount of protom you wish to spend. Um, interesting that there's, there's not really much guidelines there apart from a follow-up message you get where it says something, I think it's further along, where maybe you want to think about not feeding it so much. Some of these are going to require a lot and to be fed more often than others. Some of them are going to be require a little bit and spaced out on every other bloody combination in between so your totem will generate protum in return over the span of the entire cycle the goal with the totems is to maximize the amount of protum returned of course the process involves fine-tuning the quantity and frequency of your protum feeds to align with the distinct characteristics now i wonder if suny minded and the other blockchain wizards have been able to find out any way to data rise this system to give every ball to give anybody a bit of a heads up um Maybe I can show that 
I'll show mine, which give a bit of context to that. Uh, neighborhood ratings. Nope, not that one. This one. So this is my totem sets. I have the full set of 10. Currently, my best totem is the, I've got a cheetah totem with a rarity index. And this is all based on SUNY Labs. Um, SUNY Minded, sorry. He's got a website where you can put your stats in. It's sunylab.xyz slash totems. Um, I'll put a link in the description if I remember. So that totem of mine's rarity 89.1. And then I go all the way down to my dragonfly rarity 80.18. But yeah, they've got all different life bond style, colors, scales. I wonder if there's a way within the, whether it be in the blockchain data or something within these stats that they can front load some of that information that might be helpful in getting these feeding schedules together or whether it's going to be a case of we have to just wait until we get into it and kind of make it up as you go along or yeah i'm sure there'll be there'll be people with spreadsheets and all sorts of stuff that'll help out in the community um because yeah it's going to be a hell of a lot of data to unpack so yeah here here's where it says so when you make your first program spend you'll receive hints to help maximize your returns. For example, spending too little proton will trigger, try spending more next time. If you overspend, you'll be notified that you're not spending efficiently and spending too frequently will prompt a warning to adjust your frequency. Yeah, so if you're juggling, if you're juggling um, multiple totems doing this, it's gonna take a fair bit of spreadsheet magic or pen and paper tracking to try and optimize it all so every totem functions according to one of seven optimal spending frequency models varying from zero to 50 hours that's scary zero hours 50 hours optimal spend is program spent in the time window that sits in the middle of the interval moreover each totem is assigned a spend score of zero to 100 the score visible to players when they go to spend on their totems indicates how efficiently a player is managing their program in terms of frequency and amount okay so that's interesting you've got an aspect there where you can kind of see where you're at and play around with it um yeah as i said more totems you got the bigger the headache this appears like it's going to be or if you want to look at it on the flip side the more fun and engaged you're going to be output in upland each totem comes to life with its own output curve this is interesting too some of them have different curves uh x1 he went through all this really well in the video that he did. So some of them are going to pump out the pay out the totem uh, consistently. Some are going, it's going to take, feel like you're not going, getting anywhere and then you're going to get a whole bunch at the end. So that's interesting as well. Um, won't go into that because as I said, X1 covered that extensively. So yes, that's yet another twist collection caps. So for this first totem cycle, they're removing the collection cap. So this, there's no limit on how much protum can accumulate on your totem. Under normal circumstances, this cap limits the amount of protum you can accumulate. Once it's reached, no more protum is added until you collect it. So it's kind of like the earnings cap. Makes sense. So you, they want to keep you active in the thing, basically kind of trying to keep your Tamagotchi alive. Keep in mind, we can activate this cap at any time during the cycle. So yeah. Don't come back and say, hey, you put the cap on and you didn't let us know. You've been warned up front that it could kick in at any time. Now, this is also where it gets very interesting penalties. Keep in mind, in Upland's totem gameplay, both excessive and insufficient spending, meaning kind of feeding, carries penalties that can impact the returns for your protum. So if you missed spend, so this is probably the one most relevant to me. Um 
you know, I'm not going to send set alarms all through the night to feed my bloody totems. And when I go to work, I'm on pretty much internet blackout for eight to 10 hours. So I can't do it at work either. I have a small window of opportunity in the morning and the evening. So undoubtedly, I'm going to be missing a bunch of spend um, situations and receive a number of a number of penalties, but I believe five strikes and you're out. Did I read that correct? Correct. I thought I read that somewhere. Maybe it's down further. But yeah, I believe if you got five penalties, you that's it. You're done. Don't don't um, take my word at it, but I think I did read that somewhere. So yes, you're going to have uh, one of the penalties is a yield reduction. Um, Another one, your totem life cycle shortens by one interval. Ah, oh, there it is there. Yeah. You can miss up to five spend intervals without any penalty. However, upon missing your sixth, your totem stops yielding rewards immediately, ending the cycle prematurely. So, yes, this is where if I look ahead, me trying to potentially manage 10 of these bloody things, I think mine would end up I'd, I'd end up just pumping protom into these things and they're going to be locked up and it's just going to be a complete waste of time so have to wait and see apart from missends there are penalties associated with how you spend on your totem overspending so if you're trying to overfeed it you're going to get a penalty if you underfeed it you're going to get a penalty and if you're trying to do too many feedings in a particular interval you're also going to get a penalty so yeah wow there's, like I said, a hell of a lot to unpack. Each totem has a unique, yeah, we covered all that, impact of penalties. The penalties of Uplands totem gameplay add a strategic layer, certainly do, requiring players to carefully consider the spend decisions and timing. Understanding navigating these penalties is key in bold to maximizing the yield from your totem, absolutely. Um, understanding total, yeah, we, we know all about that, kind of covered that. So, yes, my, oh, my. That is a lot to unpack there. So I don't know. We've got a few people in chat now. Broski's jumped in. Anybody? Or Zoe's in too. Hey, Zoe. What have we got? Let me just catch up on chat. Uh, Bielerman says, I assume that we will see the spending and receiving amounts on the blockchain. I don't think they will offer more insights there. I'm just going to take a look at the API endpoints and hope to discover something. Yes. All right. What do we think? I know Angry was trying to get a hold of a totem. Anybody else? The The idea of all of that just scares the bejesus out of me. Um, trying to manage 10. I think I'm just going to bank that initial airdrop and then potentially maybe sell eight of them. See how I go. I'll have to check up in Upland General. I haven't been able to get a vibe on how people have stomached that. Um, but yeah, very, very interesting as i say so more to come on that no doubt as it all starts kicking off which all of that kind of heads towards what i pinged as the main topic for this afternoon's show which as i said 2024 is off to a crazy busy start already can you keep up should you even try um I believe personally that 2024 is the year where many of us are going to have to really decide if we're going to be all in with either team FOMO or kind of starting to dive into team meh. No. So I'm going to try to hold steady with team meh for at least a while. 
but why and how? Why am I going to do that? Well, Upland has said for the very longest time that you know you're not going to be able to do everything all the time, all at once. Um, there was talk, that was probably a couple of years ago now, that it was to be expected with things like cars versus transportation that people were going to be more and more sticking to their own neighbourhoods um, as the whole cafe situation uh, expands, I'm sure there'll be people doing different um, things within their own neighborhoods. Um, you know, we've got the racing and everything else that's going on. Um, so it seems like, uh, yeah, they're kind of trying to narrow that focus more and more and more, especially with all of these wearable sales. I expect there'll be more and more of those kicking off. Um, we have UGC, of course, has just exploded in the last, or probably the last quarter of 2023. There's just so much to get yourself involved with, so much to buy if you want to try and get involved in it all. I kind of, I swore I wasn't going to get into the phone, you know, dive onto the FOMO Dragon and go for a ride. But so many times towards the end of 23, I found myself, um, if I didn't set an alarm at stupid AM to get up to try and buy some of this stuff, I was, I'd just wake up and I think, well, I better go and check that out. Um, my inventory, when I looked at the end of 2023, my inventory list is just chock full of stuff that I didn't really need or necessarily want to buy. I just did it for purely FOMO reasons. Um, definitely personally looking to dial that back massively, massively, massively this year. And in fact, go on the flip side and still stick to my original plan. I want to drop at least another 2000 properties. I want to trim the fat, so to speak, and kind of start pushing my own account very much in that more slim down focus direction as well. Um, I was talking to DTEC and DM this morning about uh, structure ornaments. And yeah, I'd still, as much as it's a pain in the ass to move crates manually now, I'd, you know, we've got the Midtown Terrace 100 track. I'd love to deck that out. Uh, Midtown Terrace as my kind of neighborhood, I'd love to deck that out with structure ornaments, uh, different uh, themes in different areas. So yeah, I think I'm going to personally try and dial way, way back on all of this stuff. Um, I never really had much of an interest in NFLPA or the stock cars, so that's no worries to kind of get over that. Things like this, these totems, I wasn't really planning on going too heavy in them. And then what do you know, I found myself FOMO into and the full set and I had a whole bunch of spares and whatnot. So, yeah, I need to really take some deep breaths and dial it back a bit. Um, anybody else in chat as far as? Big picture perspectives. What are you looking to do? Are you all in the FOMO? You're gonna still trying to chase, be involved in everything, everything and everything, or are you gonna join Team Mehmo? Yeah, no, I'm working on earnings, getting Spark, and building my Chicago web. Try, I try to stick away from everything else. Yeah, that's and there's no reason you have to be all in on one version or the other. Um, Maybe you're all about the uh, the NFLPA and you're going to, you know, stick to getting everything that you can as far as that. Um, I'm sure there's going to be new partnerships and whatnot that pop up through the year, new opportunities. So, yeah, it's not, I don't know. I just know for myself that I, I was putting it out there and I kept saying that I was going to get less and less involved in FOMA, but I was still very much getting bitten by it very often so how am i going to kind of wean myself off that further well, one of the things i did straight up in 2024 was i paid off all of my upx debts i owed obviously i had to send 
Euler-Man 1 million Apex, so that helped get the UPX balance down, but then I had a couple of construction debts, so I paid all those out. That was over That was over a mil too that I paid that out, so my current UPX balance is very slim, and by the time I put out prizes associated with this show, I'll be back to almost zero, so I can't FOMO into anything if I've got no UPX. And I'm also, I meant to do it before we got kicked off, actually. I'm going to withdraw my quite sizable USD balance and help pay off the credit card. So if I've got no USD balance and I've got no UPX balance, well, I just can't FOMO. So that'll be that'll be my tactic, at least for a while. So see how we go. But yes, I, I just don't think, I just don't think you're going to be able to get involved in everything all of the time. But see how you go. Like I said, it doesn't have to be all or nothing. Play with what you got. Everyone's got their own personal, you know, things they're going towards. Um, maybe still chasing earnings. So you still got to, you know, FOMO in for collections and all that sort of stuff. So maybe you're all about these totems and you can't wait to dive into it. That's that kind of strategic gameplay aspect. Maybe that's that's your bag and you want to get deeper and deeper into that see how you end up of course um one thing i forgot to put in the show notes but it was a very important thing that popped up was i won't bother bringing up i'll just read through it so x1 put it out there so over 12 million us dollars worth of properties have been sold in the secondary markets in upland so that's that's pretty cool i think 12 million i'm definitely looking to get start banking a significant chunk of that myself in 2024 although the tax implications are significant and something that everybody has to look into unique to their own circumstances so don't wreck yourself chasing that because it's pretty easy to do all right let me just close some things down and we'll blitz through the start blitzing through the end here all right um, yes. All right. We're going to head on straight over to the quips. If you weren't, if you weren't aware, quips stands for questions, insights, provocations, and statements. And there is a link to a Google form in the description. You can send those through either anonymously, or if you put your in-game name in there, you will win yourself some kind of prize. If you use it, um, first up this week, we've got Kashel089 who asks, could life and STEM be a fusion between mining, farming type of gameplay fused with breeding mechanics like in Axie Infinity? What do you think Upland can or would implement here to make it a great success? Good question. Um, mining, well, Upland has made significant, I don't know if promises is the right word to use, but they have, they have sold a significant amount of very high-priced items uh, terraformer block explorers and all sorts of stuff that was supposedly associated with spark mining back in the day so we're still yet to see them um fulfill kind of that whole side of things uh, as far as life and stem and all of that and farming with breeding yeah i think that's probably definitely where this is all headed i mean we've already seen this like we outlined with those robots you're essentially you're fusing a few things to create something else that's, you know, at least by on paper has more value. So yeah, I could definitely see a thing where once they have um, these totem mechanics fleshed out and we're going to have different types of animals come in, whether it be pets or whatnot. Yeah. I think all of the 
all of the information and lessons they learn as part of this totem thing is all going to play into future kind of breeding, farming mechanics. I, I think that's almost a given, especially when you're talking about plant life. And they talked for the longest time about like running, operating your own nursery, you know, plants and whatnot. There's all sorts of stuff you could do there with crossbreeding different things and, you know, couple that with user-generated content and pretty much the sky's the limit. But they have to get the underlying mechanics, you know, they have to get that all up and working and built and whatnot. And, you know, that takes a lot of playing around, a lot of testing to make make work. So, yes, I would definitely say that that is definitely that's something that's on the horizon for sure. But more likely than not, it's not going to be a case of soon. It's going to be a case of eventually. So thank you for that, Kashal. And next up, we've got a couple of different questions from Kara John, who first asks, what is happening with treasure hunters who still use tools to emulate mobile gaming on PC? We had London and Tokyo downgraded to Tier 3 because people were taking advantage of these places. We also had limitation of hunt in PCs, but the problem with these people still remains. Yeah, very good point. There's even people, I've seen a few on Twitter and even in Upland General saying, hey, check out my system where, where I'm basically doing treasure hunting through mobile to my PC. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know if they're going to try and combat that. I don't know if they can, even if they can, outside of just shutting the whole thing down, um, which would be very disappointing because, you know, even as Angry mentioned, you know, there's people that are still building webs as we speak, thinking ahead that this is all going to be fixed up and taken care of. So I don't know. I think if you are somebody who's doing that, probably wouldn't be in your best interest to go spruiking, spruiking it out there. But yeah, I don't know. It's not a good look. Filaments says, um, as Zoe said, it slows them down and isn't the greatest quality. Yeah, I don't think that's going to matter with standards though, so. Yeah, many who try the emulators aren't happy with them. Yep, uh, Bulerman said, I connected mouse and keyboard to my Pixel 6, so only the small display issue persists. Yeah, so there's some very smart people out there and there's lots of different tools, so I'm sure if there's there's a way, there's people out there who are going to have the will to try and get around the whole no web 3, uh, the no web hunting system. So good question. Next up, another question they have is about buildings in Spark. Will Upland develop a new formula for properties with buildings? In their opinion, it would be more good for the game to downgrade the total yield of all props and give more yield in props with building, especially in collection props with buildings. We will see more utility about Spark there and prices will go higher for props with building and for Spark rental, of course. Yeah. Um, Will Upland develop a new formula with props and buildings? I think you're not meaning there like the spark hours there. By what you've gone on to say, I think you mean with the the um, the kickback. So yes, everybody's screaming from the hilltops, myself included, that we need to have a reason, a financial reason for putting for putting structures onto our properties. It can't just be for meta ventures and yada yada yada. So yes. That would make sense to me. It's interesting that you couple that with a downgrade in the total you know, dividend yield. So yeah, that, that would kind of make sense as well. If they're going to give you an opportunity to, to earn income via having a structure on your property, especially as you say, could be boosted 
potentially significantly with collection properties, then yeah, it would make sense that they downgrade the overall dividend rate across the board. It would certainly make a lot more sense than the first downgrade that was based on the release of MetaVentures when there was only about 20 people that had MetaVentures. So yep, I'd be okay with that. If I lost out on my overall dividend rate, but it was boosted maybe even better because I had um, structures on. Yep, I'll be all for that. And then finally, they say, we have seen great implementation in the past year with cars, wearable showroom, map assets, and totems. This last one was a big surprise, but we want to see more and events which will also have to do with old assets like block explorers, for example. We also want the events to be run more carefully, like NFLPA, in which there were many problems. Okay, so yeah, basically, as I said at the start of the show, new love for old assets. Yes, absolutely. Um, I think you would hope that maybe within Q2, potentially, that there's some, some more functionality associated with block explorers, whether that be through racing or greater, you know, some kind of collection reward or something like that. So yes, absolutely. Hopefully so. And goes on to say, anyway, happy new year to everyone and keep the good work with your podcasts. You keep people warm about the game and we see other aspects of the game too. Thank you very much. So cheers for that courage on and Kishel089, you've both won yourselves 10,000 UPX after fees. And thank you to the many quip submissions that are, that have come through in the last week. I will endeavour to get through them all as long as they stay re and remain contemporarily relevant, of course. And a reminder that if you submit a quips and you want to claim a prize for doing so yourself, have to include your in-game name in your submission. All right, something else, something new that's being kicked about is a new kind of campaign that Mesme and other members of the Dynamic Node Builders have recently started which is a series introducing Uplanders to the community. Um, in their words, the goal is to get some exposure for Uplanders you don't hear about every day. And I believe that the first person to be featured is Kevin Luxury. So let's take a gander at what Mesme and the Dynamic Node Builders team have got going on and especially to Kevin Luxury's responses to those interview questions. So let me find out what we got here. So yes, in-game name, Kevin Luxury. Kevin has been playing Upland since August 2021. And what do we got here? So one thing you will never do again, 36 shots. Holy hell, you were lucky to do that one time, I think. Pet peeve, trolls. I assume he means the internet variety. Occupation is in real estate. Most helpful thing you own, family. Been to Vegas, no superpower seeing the future. Okay, that's good. Maybe you can tell me what the Bitcoin price is going to be at the end of this year. Introvert or extrovert? Introvert, follow your heart or your head. Kevin follows his head. Would you survive the zombie apocalypse? Kevin Luxury says probably not. What's on your bucket list? Nothing. Most common internet search history topic. Oh my gosh, that could get dangerous kevin says news um if you could start a charity what would it be uh, helping kids with health problems or, or who had no parents etc and who are three uplanders you chat with regularly 
Upland Daily, Abdullah and Kevin the Man. And what is your guilty pleasure? Ooh la la. Kevin says hot women. All right. So that's kind of an interesting thing that, as I said, that they're, they're putting it out there. Good on you, Kevin and Mesme and the team. So if you'd like to get yourself involved in that or you know of somebody who the community might be interested in learning a bit more about, then send Mesme or any of the any of the other dynamic node builders members a DM and I'm sure they'll point you in the right direction. All right, gonna try and race through this last few bits so we can get out of here. Midtown Terrace news, I sat down <laughs> OMG, I sat down several nights ago to add the directional arrows that I purchased from DTEX Workshop to the Midtown Terrace 100 Speedway. I was having a good old time there, sipping on a non-alcoholic beer, putting them all up. But it wasn't until I had almost finished them all that I realized I'd set them up on the original URL sanctioned track layout and not the shorter version for the official Upland track. I will try to get those fixed up ASAP. Um, in the meantime, I apologize profusely if you're racing on that track and you get you get sent off in the wrong direction. Whoopsie. Sorry about that. I'll try and get it fixed up. MBE news. I covered the potential schedule changes at the start of the show, but just to reiterate, they will likely be the Blockweb Beat podcast. I'll be recording that probably late Tuesday nights. Um, this, the Upland Down Under podcast, Probably going to record that at 7 p.m. Thursday nights, moving from Wednesday to Thursday and from 7.30 down to 7. And, of course, the Metaverse and Beyond podcast will be just published periodically. Note that um, those are all AEST, Australian Eastern Standard Time Zone Preferences, and that only the Upland Down Under podcast is recorded with open public participation, etc. Samurai Aquatics news, the global showroom and factory footprint quest for Samurai Aquatics continues to chug away, and I'm hopeful that it'll all be completed in Q1 this year. I've already had a few people DM me about helping to sell and or deliver their UGC items globally, kind of as a third-party thing. However, I won't be looking to do any of those sorts of deals until I get everything properly in place. I don't mind doing one-offs every now and then, though, so that's all right. Just send me a DM. UDU news, as per the recent announcement in the NBA server, after a prolonged moribund period, the Upland Development United project is officially retired. Uh, yes, after a very long history, the UDU, as we knew it, is no more. There are links within the NBA server for all of the members to get in contact with the various node managers so that you can keep up to date with how the various nodes will move on into their future development. I will, however, keep um, you know the IP ownership of and the UDU acronym alive. It'll just be under a different guise. And what do you know? I was sitting down the other day writing some stuff together, and I remember way back in the day, somebody somebody from Australia mentioned, "Oh, we should do we should do something like make a make a group about Upland Down Under. And somebody chimed in and said, well, UDU's already got the acronym for that. So I'm going to, sorry, whoever you are, I'm going to steal that idea. So UDU will now refer to the Upland Down Under, meaning the podcast and, you know, the kind of Australasian community we're trying to build. Um, and eventually it'll all just be another part of the extended history of UDU, etc. Of course, Midtown Terrace will continue and there's a high high likelihood of some ongoing collaboration. It just won't be done under or in relation to any of the baggage 
of the now defunct Upland Development United Experiment. Experiment, sorry. We gave it a red hot go for a very long time. We went through the highs, we went through the lows, but now it's time for everybody to move on and do their own thing. Um, if you are, if you do have an uh, UDU node property and you're not sure of who to contact, who the node managers are, there is that information in the MBA server. As I said, just about all of the node managers have their own servers associated with it. So it's pretty easy to touch base with them and see where they're going to go from there. All right, giveaways times, the MBA server competition wheel in the final show for 2023, the last week's challenge in the contest channel in the MBA server. Let us know what your top three development priorities are for the Upland team in 2024. Some good ones came through for that. And the prize is going to be your name would roll on a list of all the entrants for the chance to win a Samurai Aquatics Garden Bridge. And of course, you'll have the first opportunity to get yourself an entry into the 2024 end of year giveaway prize draws um yeah plan to do the same thing this year as i did last year so all right let me see if i can find out where i put that wheel of names did it save yes it did all right so thank you to everybody who got involved with the weekly challenge we had zoe d red beats angry seo yc guys caesar cassastra jabna media brabant Bulaman, kezar and elslack Let's see who's going to win. First, the garden bridges in the red trim. Cass might have just missed it. Oh, she got it. Just got in there. Well done, Cass. Cassastra, congratulations to you. Now, I'm going to stick there. Live participants wheel. Um, thank you for those that, who jumped in today. It was very all last minute, and then I was running late as well, so... Let me just write down these names that I got. Norm, Euleman, Broski, and Angry. Did anybody else jump in? Am I missing anybody? I got Zoe. No, that's all. All right. So this is going to be, what did I put this down for? Yeah, this is going to be for a another Red Trim Summer Aquatics Garden Bridge. Ooh, I think Angry's got it. Angry, congratulations, mate. Angry OCR. Red Garden Bridge on the way for you. So let me jump out of there. And so that was last week's challenge. This week's challenge, get yourself into the NBA server, of course, in the contest channel. Um, it's a bit easy to find that now that I've rejigged the server. And your challenge for this week is FOMO versus MEPMO. Which side are you on predominantly? Why and how for this year? FOMO versus MEPMO. And prize your name will roll on a list of all entrants for the chance to win. I'm going to do go back to some UPEX for a while. So it'll be 10,000 UPX after fees. Um, as I said, if I've got no UPX, I can't FOMO into a stuff. So you kind of be helping me out there as well. So, And of course, you'll get yourself another entry into the 2024 end of year giveaway, prize giveaway. So that's all for that. We've done that. We've done that. And that's it. I think we're good. I think I covered everything I want to cover. Anybody else got anything they want to spruik, promote, spam? Uh, I know Beulah Man's he's got his hands full, but still very early in the AM. So, yeah, hopefully I'll switch back over to the evening time period next week and start settling into a bit 
better routine so we can get back into the back into the swing of things. Just my gosh, what a way to start the year. Crazy. I wanted to ask yep. real quick. Absolutely. Um have you plugged in to Spark Tycoon yet? No, I did see that pop up and I saw some screenshots of people making like banking twenty thousand upex, forty thousand upex. Yeah, no. Oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, there is potential to make bank in a very passive way, mm. uh, just while you're hunting. And it's it's really, really cool. I pulled out twenty thousand today um from the spark exchange just from doing my hunts and it's based on paid sends so your rushes your rush sends still count so if you are a real big spark tycooner then hunt those rushes down and all of those sends count yeah absolutely and angry just said literally he just started it today pretty cool stuff so yeah, I mean, if you're especially if you're somebody who does a lot of treasure hunting, um, you may as well because you, there's not many extra steps you have to do to to do it all, is it? You got to register and a few different bits and pieces. Yeah, you just link your Upland account to the Upex Spark Exchange, which is all done with the code now. It's much easier than it used to be. Yep. Um, and then you find Spark Tycoon in the in the menu. It lets you know what kind of resources and UPEX balance you've got. And if you want to auto-generate resources, you build a little node on it. Um, but otherwise, it's just hunting. And after you've done your hunts, you go check and your resources are there and you sell them off and you make moolah. Moolah, yes. So, <laughs> yeah, if especially as i said if you are somebody who does you know a decent whack of treasure hunts you'd be mad if you didn't get get yourself involved oh yes yeah so maybe, maybe it'll be the um character if you're not a treasure hunter maybe that's the extra carrot you need to get involved because i do know some people some people have said that the grind with standard hunting and whatnot is you know you, of course most people do it because they're trying to get the spark but if you're not making any UPX and in some cases, if you're losing UPX, well, you're not going to get, you know, significantly involved in it, but with this extra third party thing, hmm, that might be, that might be the difference. The way our node manager coach funk likes to describe it is treasure hunting is like your, your day job when it comes to upland. That's the primary activity. Spark tycoon is just giving you a raise. Nice. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. It actually reduces the whole send fee element completely because you can cash out extra Apex. But it's really clever because you're already on the Apex exchange, uh, Spark Exchange, right? Mm. So you've got all this new bunny to burn. You know, a lot of people are going to find that they need properties. So I believe it's going to drive up the um, amount of contracts. And the spark that, rental price and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So it should have this really nice flow-on effect, mm. uh, which I'm excited to see. Awesome. Well, thank you for jumping in on that. And, yeah, it's definitely something to check out for sure. All right. Enjoy the rest of the week, everybody. And like I said, I'll 
I'll try and get things organized so there might be a, a show out this Thursday night. We'll see how we go. All right, all the best and catch you later.